Welcome to Neoweek Audio, a collection of podcasts and Twitter spaces produced and curated by Neoweek, the number one news and community platform for the Neo Protocol and the Aurora ecosystem. At neoweek.com slash podcasts, you can find every interesting audio piece from the community in one place. We curate content on topics such as DeFi, NFTs, gaming, DAOs, community hangouts, and more. Basically, we got you covered near fam. And without further ado, let's dig in. Claudio, how how you doing? GM, GM, good evening, good night, everyone. Um, seeing some familiar faces here, so thank you very much, everybody, for coming here and for the invitation, Derek. Yeah, of course, of course. I had to had to have you on, Claudio. You know, kept seeing you around DevConnect. You were, you know, I, I saw you at the restaking house. I saw you at the stake restaking day I ran into at the co-working space it just seemed like we kept running into each other and it makes sense to kind of keep the conversation going here and share some of the exciting stuff that Metapool is doing on a bit of a different platform yes definitely it's been it, 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 definitely restaking was part of the conversation at, at Depth Connect, right and I think it's been coming in for the last couple of months uh, and even at NearCon um near protocol team announced uh, some interesting uh, partnerships uh, on the restaking side as well uh with octopus network um and so definitely it's been something that we've been keeping tabs on uh but it, it's been this last few months uh that we've really gotten into understanding like what does it uh what does it what does restaking mean um for a protocol such as Metapool, uh, which is a liquid staking token uh platform and was it does it mean for the protocol itself and of course at the end of the day the most important part how does it contribute to um users of the protocol as well and so definitely keen to be discussing all of those things uh with you even though there's uh certainly a few other things happening uh right now that m- might get people distracted a little bit but um I think uh, we're building for the long long term, and so the restaking will be part of that uh, one way or another. So thank you very much for for setting up this space. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. There's a, I think you really hit something on on the head here, and and there's particularly, you know, I was watching some of your video clips from DevConnect in Istanbul, and you'd mentioned how, you know. The way Metapool looks at it and and w- with the community that you guys are cultivating, the protection of assets and the storing of assets is one of the most key things here. And it's something that uh, should be looked at as as one of like the most number one things. And that's that's really what we look at at Restaking Cloud is this idea of keeping the safe assets and making sure that people's deposits are protected. Um, and that, you know, number really just goes up <laughs> besides, you know, sometimes there might be fluctuations in yield and kind of handle that at the pool level. Um, but anyways, since, since you are, this is our first time doing a, a Twitter space together, I think it'd be helpful, um, you know, at least for the restaking cloud audience to give a little bit of a background on like who you are, maybe how, how you got into web three, and it'd be good to get some of those nuances about what Metapool does differently. I know you said it's a liquid staking token, but what is that, like, where you guys differ? Like, is it particular regions or is it particular um, structures? Like, what does that look like? Yes, definitely for us, it's um, one of the most important things when we launched uh, our liquid staking platform in your protocol um, more than two years ago was that this was gonna be a protocol that was made by the community for the community. So we've embraced a, a DAO structure into how to govern govern that the protocol. And we've, uh, we've successfully launched the DAO this year. So that's one of the, the for, for us, one of the core principles of building in crypto or in blockchain technology was the opportunity to build a platform or in this case a protocol that 
will allow users or cost or, or uh, how can I say? Yes, allow its users to retain most of the value being generated by, by the protocol, uh, not the platform itself, right? And, and so in this sense, we're, we're staying true to our ethos of building something that um, is decentralized, it is and should be censorship resistant, and more importantly, it will be put in the hands of the people that are using it or the organizations that are using it or leveraging it. And, and so that way we can build something uh, much bigger than, than just a, a company or, 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 or like a normal startup, right? Um, and so that's for us has been something that we're always pushing. Can we build something by the community for the community? Um, so we're, we're we've successfully, we believe we, we've successfully done the first step over a year. Now we're moving over to Ethereum. And now this is, uh, we, 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 we begin this journey again, uh, but we're really excited. We have more than uh, 20 ambassadors all over the globe supporting us. And even though we're a, a small platform, right, com in comparison with the bigger ones uh, like Stater Labs, uh, uh, Steakfish, and, and, and of course, Lido, um, but we believe that there's space for everybody to build a product that builds value around its main utility. And for us, liquid staking is creating a mint in a token, which is accruing the value of the staked asset plus the, uh, the accruing rewards of the, of the staking rewards, and then allow folks to also have a say in how that protocol is moving forward. And so those are really things that are really exciting for us. Now we're based out of Argentina and Mexico, Ecuador, Peru. Um, we also have folks in um, in Spain, in Switzerland, in, in Lisbon, and so definitely it's it's a global team uh, this year. And and even though uh, we're global, we really want to focus in emerging markets because we believe that that's where the next billion users are going to be onboarded. Uh, I think it's critical for for the protocols and the industry not to lose sight of why we're building on top of, of crypto. Um, and so that's the second thing. And now for the third thing, and this is something that is going to be uh, one of the most important things uh, coming in next year is that we will be building governance for a multi-chain liquid staking protocol, right? And I think that's something that not all liquid staking solutions can can success can success can successfully say that they have nailed it. Uh, uh, neither neither have we, right? As the medical doubt, but it's something that we're keen in exploring, right? And so, how can a liquid staking token be multi-chain and provide the necessary governance structure in order to uh, play an important role or a key role in the in the protocols that it provides the liquid staking solution? So anyhow, so those are the three things uh, that are really driving growth for Metapool DAO. Wow, wow, wow! Sounds like the DAOishness with Metapool is off the charts. Um, sounds like you're giving back. You're you're building up the community. You're really starting at that that grassroots. So, kind of looking at that, it's it's what I'm noticing that I think is really interesting is it sounds like you guys are starting kind of with this base layer, you're starting with onboarding people to crypto who weren't there initially, where I hear of a lot of projects talking about onboarding the next, you know, 100 million users, and they're starting at the top and trying to trickle down where it sounds like you're going for 1 billion starting at the bottom working your way up. Is that my understanding that correctly? Yes, yes, totally. It's just, we, we want to solve a real problem, right? And, and for us is access to uh, financial services in emerging markets is quite, um, it's, it's, it's not common. It's like if you have $10, $20, can you, can you participate in financial services over in, in, um, in the US? Well, not likely, right? Uh, in Mexico, even less likely, right? And so this is something that we are really uh, want, that we are keen to explore. 
we understand that some, some of these financial services will be leveraging our liquid staking token. The most important one or the most e the easiest one is the lending and borrowing. I think that's something that not everyone has access, for example, in a small, medium, or what they say in Mexico, micro businesses. Some of them are informal to be totally transparent, but I believe that it is by helping this type of people and this type of organizations that you allow mass adoption of, of blockchain technology to happen. And so, so yeah, so really that, that, that's where we feel that there's a, a, a niche that hasn't been addressed and that it's a large enough niche that will allow us to, to grow for the next 10, 20 years. I kind of want to stick, stick on this idea of this mass adoption for a while and, and how we get there and, and what that takes. And, you know, it seems like, okay, so you guys have, have figured out this, this base layer of community and you figured out this really inherent need uh, that people have. Now, as that starts to come up, like what, what are some things that you guys are, are looking for or, you know, different, different things you're looking to work with? I, I, I saw that you guys are giving out grants. You're, you're trying to give back and let people grow. And then at the same time, I'm, I'm sure you're working with, um, you know, I saw you're working with protocols like SSV and, and these other, um, you know, sort of DVT things to, to help distribute. Like what, what does it look like for you? Are you guys trying to handle all of this yourselves or what are you trying to build up around you? So one of the most important things that, that we saw or one of the, how can I say, the, the, the biggest leverage that um, blockchain technology uh, puts in the hands of builders is how can you create this, this sort of a Lego bricks, right? Or how can you leverage other platforms? And in this sense, we've always been very keen on partnering uh, with infrastructure providers or node operators. Uh, we do run one node um, over on Ethereum mainnet, uh, just because at the end of the day, you have to dog food uh, your, own, your own protocol. Um, and also on the on SSB, we're also running an operator as well, just for us to have like clear understandings of what are the challenges for the folks that we're going to be partnering with in order for, for us to provide um, the delegated ease. Um, and so it's been, it's been quite a journey and, and we've learned and we made some mistakes as well, right? O always not putting our users' assets in risk, more, mainly our own just to understand like what, what is the technology, what, where, where are the uh, uh, um, points of, of possible failures, right? And in this sense, uh, we've been, we, we, we're lucky that we have a really, really great team uh, that has gone through all the details and gone through all the processes necessary in order to ensure that the assets that our users are delegating into Metapool are safe and so even though we got two audits, uh, one from Halvern, the other one from, from BlockSec. Um, and so we're really mindful because at the end of the day, and, and, and I think I, I, I spoke the, to, about this in our talk, my talks in Istanbul is that, yes, we understand that maybe for some folks, $100 or $1,000 or $10 might not mean much, right, uh, in, in, in crypto terms, but in emerging markets, that's, uh, that's a whole month's worth of labor for someone, right? And so it is for us very critical to uh, secure those those assets, um, either if it's $1, $10, and, or if it's $1 million, right? If it's 0 0.001 ETH or 10 ETH, right? I think it's important for us to always be mindful that what we're building is solid, it's secure, uh, to our utmost uh, knowledge, of course. And, and so by allowing new technologies such as, such as SSB to be our underlying rails for delegation of ETH, uh, yes, we needed to kick, kick the tires a little bit and, and, and for us to run the infrastructure so we understand the possible points of failure. And so, yes, dog footing, it, it is part of the, of the name of the game for us in order for us to support any type of technology. Yeah, that's great. So this idea has come up a few times now, and, and it's definitely something that, you know, we at Restaking Cloud kind of look at as well is this idea of safe assets and, and trying to keep uh, keep people who, you know, have invested in validators safe, keep the base chain safe, make sure 
that everything is running optimally, not not overloaded. So when we're when we're talking about you know staking, um, inherently there's there's risks, right? And I'm sure that th- there's lots of ways that you know they are mitigated. People aren't getting slashed all the time. There's in leakage all the time, but it is something that is more risky than than a stable coin per se. Um, but that can be said about ETH as well because it's it's fluctuating. It's up. It's down. So when when you're t- taking a look, like how does Metapool feel about like that risk to reward? How how is that weighed? And like what's considered a more risky? You know how how do you keep it less risky? And like what does it look like? Um, you know, for a user who comes in, how, how do you want them to view it? That I'm, I'm guessing you want them to view it as a safe place for their money. Um, which I'm sure that it is, but uh, I'm guessing that there's different strategies people are taking when it comes to liquid staking. Some are some are going for these completely, um, you know, restaking based tokens. Others are going for you know just liquid stake tokens. Like where does Metapool find themselves in regards to taking that risk, and how do they want their users to perceive that? Yes, first of all, like I said, uh, we, we will be using the DAO's own assets uh, in order to like do the first initial um, allocation into a new protocol. Uh, that's why when we launched uh, ETH, uh, ETH uh, liquid staking back, uh, I think it was, we're close to five months now, uh, back in, 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 in May, um, we used our own node, right? And so we kickstart with our own uh, treasury uh, that and, and that 32 ETH. And so for us is always uh, exposing our own assets, right? I'll put skin in the game, test it out, um, understand, go back to the, uh, uh, the protocol uh, maintainers. In this case, of course, for ETH is quite, quite, uh, quite, trusted and and, and and there's a, a lot a lot of uh, sources of truth right um, and so for us that was quite easy now for SSB definitely it was quite a, a journey we've been talking to them since last year at staking summit actually that's when we got got started like the good conversations we were ready to run back at ETH Denver and at that time, um, mainnet was not ready. So definitely for us, it was a little bit of a wait and see approach. And so, oh, sorry. Um, uh, so just got something there on my throat. <laughs> no, no, so, no problem. <laughs> so definitely for us, it's the same thing with uh, K2, right? It's, it is, we will start to, um, how can I say registry uh, register our, our 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 own node and take it from there, right? Um, so that way it could be it could be uh, um, how can I say uh, deemed a safe asset and then take it from there, right? I think that's the the first and foremost uh, uh, way of of engaging any protocol as well, right? Because there's no not not there's not, never a hundred percent security. That's the reality. And so we need to be mindful that if we're going to go through a process of, of learning through through trial and error, uh, definitely it's not going to be with users' uh, delegation. I, I think that's so great that you guys kind of take that risk with your own, like the DAO's owned assets first. That makes c- complete sense to me. It's just like, okay, you start with with something that you already own, and then you kind of move into, you know, for the broader community, if it's something that they want. I see we have Matt in here as well, which is CEO um, at Restaking Cloud. And I think he could probably speak quite a bit to, you know, what does that look like? How does Restaking Cloud see safe, the idea of safe assets? And like, how does that kind of, you know, play into all this? Like, what's the technology behind that? Uh, thanks, uh, Derek. But just a small correction. I'm a CEO of Blockstaff Labs, not the restaking cloud. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, 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 thing it is, um, 
yeah, I want to take a step back, but just just before we're stepping into Recycling Cloud, um, as a as a as a labs, um, we are more than three, three and a half, four years actively developing in a day in day out on consensus layer. That's um, you know even pre merge, we were working on on a, on, a, on a beacon chain. Now it is called consensus layer. So uh, as as a team that we have a very in, in a huge passion on how the proof of stake um, is structured by Ethereum. It's like very solo staker friendly and it's, it's need to be accessible for everyone and that who can run, um, a, who have a computer can participate in this validation network. And also, it also gives that every computer, every machine, every validator who is in the network has a chance to, to, to do a work in, in a network, right? This is this is a very um, um, huge milestone in in a proof of stake because essentially proof of stakes is is a mechanism for coordination of um, um, capital in a very decentralized fashion. So if you look at that perspective, Ethereum has the most decentralized architecture for proof of stake, and this is the this is a, one of the key component when you want to talk about this kind of crypto networks to be geographically decentralized and that's why you know nowadays you see that like why do, why it is important that you need to have node runners based on every country on every every hemisphere right so you cannot be like 40 percent in north america or you know 30 percent in europe that's that's not feasible so there's a lot of things that's been done and the the, the proof of stake is uh, the consensus layer is designed in such a way that need to be accessible for common people so um what we were like you know most uh, the most of the time we were very passionate about how do you call you know see this labor and capital like the node runners running the machines that machines need to be up all the time since it is accessible for everyone who would run a computer but it also needs to be live all the time because you know it has to do some work so that's labor um if, if they're not live they might like miss some rewards that's called leakage but that, that's a very important thing, but uh, ETH as an asset that to have a validator is 32 ETH. So, so from a capital perspective, it's it's still very upper bound, um, you know, depends on the ETH price. Um, to have a validator, it's extremely hard. So how can we have this kind of decentralization to go at a scale? That was, we were like, you know, at the beginning, like how can we help the node runners to, to, to have additional source of income um, also at the same time, help them to source capital from you know outside people right in a safer way and this is much of the things what you guys have talked is you know music to my ears um if you want to do uh, things at scale if you want to involve common public if you want to take um uh, you know if you want to put people's money to work just make sure that money is protected right so always take the risk um, um risk averse model and you know this you, you talk to any ceos or any money markets or any DeFi protocols everyone has this kind of thesis make sure the user's money is protected at all the time all the risk should be managed at the very very core level and um, and so this this makes us um from a lapse like we, everything that we do have this kind of a how do we do at a scale because crypto is global um, this is accessible for anyone. It's permissionless. It's 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 beyond jurisdictions. So we want to make sure when people are engaging, people are participating, they are safe. Their money is safe. If the node runners are coming into restaking, so the restaking cloud is structured in such a way that every validator in Ethereum, right? So we have around eight hundred eighty thousand validators in Ethereum right now that all of these validators, some of them are started at the time of the beacon chain spun up. So they were waited for more than a year, um, you know, just even not even know that it's gonna happen or not. But of, you know, of course it's gonna happen, but just like there is always a lot of risk at that time. Then the merge happened and then we see a lot of validators come in. So we want to make sure there's all of these guys who are, you know, aligned with Ethereum ethos, Ethereum mission, should have a participation um everyone treated to be same because that's how ethereum is specked out solo staker has the same weightage as a as a as a, as a you know huge player as a centralized exchange so it's kind of a concave in nature like the, the small group of people have incentive to to grow more and they will they will get more and more 
yield. So risk-taking cloud take the same path of Ethereum, decentralization, right? Put the decentralization first and make sure the user's money is safe. Make, you know, draw the line between what are the what are the activities a node runner needs to do, how these machines, how the state, the state deed is being reused outside network. So this is unheard of in, in the in the previous because you are making around 51 billion just for the native delegation. So just to give you a recap on native delegation, any validator who's running um, validation service who have an active validator on consensus layer can delegate their state way to, to outside uh, networks. So you are securing right now the consensus layer. You're just using the same stake, stake teeth capital, that's called stake weight in consensus layer. Um, that will be delegated, redelegated for n number of other networks. It could be 100, it could be 1,000, it could be 10,000. So when you have 880,000 validators comes into that play, everyone can just sign, and that's how we do the validation. So you just do a passive validation first. Hey, networks, you can use it, but then you have to understand who are these networks? What are the risk model? Um, it could be anyone, right? It's permissionless market. It could be an Oracle, it could be, it could be a centralized service, it could be L1, it could be L2, it could be um, you know, DeFi protocols. They have different different risk methods, right? So risk profile, um, what are the slashing parameters? So what we did in the risk-taking cloud is like, as I said, everyone has access by native delegation. So all the 880,000 validators can delegate their thing. We create a protocol that can, on smart contract, that can you know algorithmically manage this redelegations right so you delegate to the protocol and the protocol will redelegate your stake for for other networks and ask the networks what are we what are you using it for so they tell in advance these are the slashing logics these are the network profiles so we have a lot we have a template already in place and you know similarly when you when you go to any kind of markets you say that you're taking this what are you been using for and the slashing is predetermined. You know that how much it will be get slashed. So you give a earmark staking, let's say 50 billion comes in, uh, all the 880,000 validators being delegated. Now we have a lot of ETH, but the ETH is fungible, right? That's ETH is an asset. Now you, someone has, you know, someone need 100,000 ETH, someone need 10,000 ETH, someone need a million ETH, depends on the service. And everyone gets this ETH and do the slashing protection. You have to, take care of all these networks will have the stake, the delegation that has been given by the node operators because they can undelegate anytime. So you have to protect the people who are, you know, taking the stake for securing the network because they are also serving the users. So we make sure that the, the protocol makes sure that at the one end, other end, the, the, the node delegators who delegate the stake capital is safe. So there's one thing you need to understand is there's a yield right? So the delegators are getting an yield. That's why you are putting your state capital to be reused for other networks. They cannot have the security without your permission to reuse the state capital. So you get a, you get a payment for that. So if you take the protocol at a given time, there will be hundreds of, uh, we call SPP, state borrower position, which basically means your redelegated positions to other networks is being managed on a ledger. So you have uh, on a day, you may, you know, the protocol will be earning about, you know, maybe 100,000, you know, um, ETH or uh, fully utilization, but let's let's keep it simple, like, you know, 10,000 ETH or something like that, 10,000 to 50,000 ETH. Um, this has been paid by other people just for the security. So now you have that ETH is sitting there and that will be able to, to provide the slashing capacity at the global. So there is a um, risk-taking cloud have a ZK technology enabled, like people can, all these networks can inject their slashing logic and they will get instantaneously when they slash it. So there is no delay because delay will also have security issues. So the risk-taking cloud is a real-time slashing network backed by state data. That's, put it simply, that's what it is. It will allow every validators to partake. It will allow LST tokens to come in. So that's another opportunity that we want to extend as um, you know, Claudio was saying that liquid staking is a very important path to include and onboard billions of users. We want them to also get um, an additional yield. So th there's an LST route. We can, you know, technically we can include all the LSTs because we have a 
unified risk profile engine called KEAT, um, and that actually enable you, you know, in, any LST tokens to be included. So there's a, that route as well. So it is truly inclusive and it's truly like, you know, automated in all sense in day one. I mean, it's a little bit of a long talk, but I hope uh, I was just trying to clarify what is already taking clarity, how does it help? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, that kind of full overview of, of what's going on with ReShake and Cloud. Um, so it sounds like, you know, with ReStake and Cloud, it's it's trying to maintain these validators as these safe assets. Um, so I guess to kind of bring this into for, for the everyday user, um, I guess I'd like to chat a little bit about yields. I know everybody, they're, they're doing this. You know, people are staking for yields. People are restaking for yields. Um, what what do the yields look like right now, Claudio, on Metapool? So right now we're doing. Let me get their latest number. Uh, we're doing six point. <clears throat> Hold on one second. So we're doing six point thirty two percent APR, and so. Um, this has, of course, been um, incentivized by the SSB protocol network uh, as well. And so we're going to continue to do that, those incentives. Um, oh, it's going to be close to Q2 2024. We're hopeful that we're going to be pushing that over all year round. It just depends on the amount of uh, incentives uh, being put forward by the SSB network. Um, so really, really excited about that one. And so, yeah, so that's, that's where we are right now. Um, exploring definitely the K2 technology, how to get to one or two more points there. But, um, but yeah, that, that's well, where we are right now. Uh, I, okay. I have a, I have a question and I, and I have a, have a comment as well. I know you said you're trying to squeeze out one or two more points. Uh, Resaking cloud K2 is, is looking at doing, you know, about you know, five to 10% APR in ETH. That's just the way that the, the, the metrics kind of work with this. Um, but you, so this SSV tokens, the incentives here, I know you just said that your yields in ETH, well, how are people getting them? If, if I come in there and I stake my ETH, do I get SSV tokens on the side or is the DAO handling that? Like what, what does that process actually look like for an end user? Yes, so definitely no. They're they're getting ETH, right? I think the days of getting multiple tokens as staking rewards uh, are long gone. I think that getting the underlying asset as rewards—that's the way to go. Yes. And I think it's more transparent for everybody, right? Uh, for for us is and and we've been on 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 the on that end of the stick, right? In the sense that we want um, maximum utility for the delegation that users put into Metapool. And so in this sense, it's why we're putting forward um, all staking rewards are coming in as native ETH. I, yeah, I think that that's, that's so great, right? Because that's why people are staking is they want ETH. And particularly when we're starting to talk about these, you know, smaller users, you know, even if, even if we're talking about something like a half in ETH, and if you start getting these other rewards and, in other tokens, you have to spend gas to sell them to get them back to ETH, or you could see them, you know, s significantly dip. You have to figure out when to farm, especially if you're getting, you know, say you put in a thousand dollars of ETH and you're yielding one percent, two percent additional APR, even if it's five percent APR on uh, another token. What do you do with these tokens? Do you wait a year? Hopefully, they maintain value or go up, and then. You sell off the the fifty dollars and take a you know spend 10, 15, 20 percent in in gas fees uh, to get it done. So I, yeah, I think that that's really great how you guys are kind of handling that. I think that that's something that we're we're kind of looking at with with K two as well is this idea that rewards should be in ETH. Um, and yeah, there's other ways with with RST tokens people can mint and and pay node operators in those as well. But really getting that that base yield in that base token, that's really how you kind of maintain sort of that safe asset. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, at the end of the day, we need to understand that. Um, and I think what the this uh, crypto winter taught everyone, right? Uh, or the big lesson is that yes, nobody, nobody. Uh, I think the the and and there's still some, right? There's still some some uh, uh, incentives out there in in native tokens, right? And I've been totally transparent. We also went that route with, with the Metapool DAO uh, by people allowing people to um, lock up their governance tokens, and then we were giving out part of the protocol fees in our governance token. We've seen we've since stopped doing that. And for example, right now, if you're near protocol and, and you've uh, locked up your, your our governance token and you're voting, then we're allocating the native protocol fees in near back to the people that are participating in the DAO. And so that that's the and, and I think it's very transparent. There's um there's an easy way for folks to get access to the native protocol fees and more importantly an easy way for them to also if they need uh off ramping they can do that uh quite easily right um and so yes go in the native route uh for protocols uh protocol rewards or protocol incentives it is the way to go so um Again, anything we've said right now should not be considered financial advice. Please do your own, <laughs> do your own research. Uh, but more importantly, is just do not put your uh, lunch money into this. Right? This is still really early. I know that we're. I, it's 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 funny here, Derek. Right? I do not know. And 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 <laughs> and Matt, maybe you can you can also sh- shed some light on this one, right? I don't know when it's gonna come to the time where we're gonna stop saying that, right? Um, I think it's, it's it, uh, maybe in the next three years we're gonna continue to keep saying that, but then eventually that we will need to bury that that phrase. <laughs> yeah, lock lock it up and throw it and, and throw it in the ocean. I mean, the base. I would say that yeah, it will take time, but a, a good benchmark would be like if you have enough machines decentralized in all the geographical locations right um and then the 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 network is enough resilient to get any kind of um, um you know any kind of um attack like now it is resilient enough but just i'm saying is like it would be world war three resistant at that time right so we need to have we want to have that kind of um, um say that user experience is one thing the tooling is another thing but the underlying core thing is like we need to have staking to be decentralized to an extent that is completely, um, I would say that um, more than 30 to 40 percent is driven by this kind of a decentralized platforms, DVTs or solo stakers um, running from all around the world. Then you can have confidently, yes, things will happen here. It will never, ever get, you know, compromised. Then you can build additional measures like, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to that that day as well. <laughs> hey, you can just put the money and everything is good. You know, we can do all kind of experiments and we can bring all kind of people in. Yeah, I think I, I think well before before I put in some comments here, if anybody has any questions, comments, you know, feel free to raise your hand. Um, alternatively, you can leave a comment in the lower right. Um, but yeah, the the stage is kind of open now to kind of continue this conversation. But yeah, I get, I completely agree with what you're saying, Claudio. It's, it's needs to come to this point. You know, we don't have to say, you know, if, if somebody says, Hey, why don't you put your money in a bank account or a CD or a government bond? Nobody's hesitant to just say that without saying this isn't financial advice. Um, but when it does come to, I guess, the more speculative side of things, that's, that's what you want to say. And it's kind of shifting that, that perspective. And, and it sounds like actually moving people's uh, what you're suggesting is we need to move the way people think about this from, you know, a place where good things can happen, bad things can happen. And, you know, the risk and reward are quite extended compared to, again, n- not to keep using this term, but the idea of moving it into more of a safe asset type of thing where somebody can say, hey, well, there are things that could happen, but the risks um, are minimal and the rewards by far really out outweigh them 
And I think that that's what we're kind of heading to with this idea of decentralization and this idea of, you know, really thinking with the end user in mind whenever decisions are, are being made. Yes, I think one of, one of the most important parts here, right, and, and this is where, where I've, um, I've been right now, like we, we've done MPDAO grants number five. It's been, I think, our most successful around uh, this, uh, this 2023, um, with more than five projects being, being uh, supported. Like I said before, like all protocol fees from the Ethereum staking, from near staking and Aurora staking are going back into the community. And so uh, it is, we believe that also onboarding this, uh, how can we reach mass adoption is that by allowing maximum exposure of the protocol, uh, of the protocol tokens to users, right? And so, and for them to be, use them not only as incentives, but to build, right? And so, so we put forward there, uh, and, and so, for us, liquid staking is this type of protocol that can enable growth for an ecosystem to flourish, right? Of course, we don't have the millions in DAO treasury as, as Lido have, um, and, but we believe that any, any type of um, support that a region or community can receive, it is all adding up and compounding, right? Which I believe is the most important part on building in crypto, right? It's like, how can this be a source of, of, of growth? Um, more importantly, of learning as well, right? Because this is, you have to unlearn and relearn a couple of things when you get into blockchain technology and more importantly, into value accrual of digital assets. And so um, for those that, of us, right, and I'll put myself right in the middle, that we're never really too keen on looking into like uh, economics and whatnot, right? Uh, I think this is a good good time for just as, as a, a fair warning, right? Like get your act together, understand, like uh, a fin be financially literate, which mm -hmm. is sometimes uh, you get into it really late in the game, right? And I, and I've been a, and that's what's most exciting for me is like, I've seen folks right now in their early 20s, right? Being full on financially literate, where in my case, being now 44, is like, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an old dog trying to learn new tricks. Whoa, uh, Claudio, you do not look 44. Let me just say that. Um, but there are, yeah, I agree. This this whole idea of, of compounding, um, is one of the things that's super interesting, right? It's, it's the, and that's where this whole conversation of, okay, so people, you know, they held ETH. That's really that, that baseline asset. And, and there's just natural appreciation as people buy it, the number goes up and then people can kind of compound on that by, by, first of all, they could stake their validator. They get that, um, the interest from it. Um, and then there's the merge where we have now two separate chains, the consensus layer, the execution layer, and it gives this opportunity for MEV and that yield compounds again. Um, and then they, we, there's the introduction of, of liquid staking, again, compounds. Now people can go use DeFi, collect all its rewards. And that's where um, we really see this restaking coming in. It can be this next base layer uh, of rewards, especially just, you know, K2, where, where we don't, really put that validator in additional risk. Um, but then, you know, we're, we're, we're already looking at like phase two of this. Okay, how can we then use, use restaking for, for DeFi and get these, you know, additional RST tokens out of it? Like how can we, you know, rebuild that DeFi market on top of restaking and in a way where, where these yields can compound again and again and again, uh, but in the, you know, safest way possible, again, where we don't want to have to keep telling people, hey, this is this is super speculative when they get into it. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things there that are, are always a, a fair word of warning, warning, right? In the sense that do not overinvest and do not get a, a get over your head, right? I think that um, one of the big things about staking is that it is native to the protocol. So the underlying risk you're taking is basically 
contract rest for the delegation. But since it's non-custodial, uh, there will be a way for for folks to get access to their delegation eventually, right? I'm not saying that it's going to be right out of the get-go. Um, and if the protocol uh, founders or the DAO really is into overseeing the protocol, they will make sure that there's going to be those safety mechanisms put in place if everything falls apart and 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 for knock on wood, right? Let's say that the medical infrastructure starts to to uh, not work, and so for folks to get back their delegation. So I think that's a key part as well that blockchain technology and crypto bring to the masses, right? It is difficult to learn, right? Because that means that you are the sole custodial of all your digital assets. Whether most people, normal people, focus on, yes, I can just call a, a number or send an email and they will reset my password, right? Here, if you lose your keys, you lose your coins, right? You lose your digital assets. So it is important just to understand that there's always a, a fine line between custodial and non-custodial. Uh, for now, we are full on uh, non-custodial. Even though we do support custodial platforms, such as Fireblocks, Credo, and Finoa, uh, those right now mainly focus more on near protocol than on ETH. So for ETH, right now it's non-custodial. So really looking forward to, to integrate it with some custodial service providers because this will open up, of course, for larger organizations or fintech applications to use and get exposure to our liquid staking token and our liquid liquid staking token partners as well, right? So anyhow, just uh, this is just the beginning. I think 2024 is gonna be a really exciting year for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. And you're, you're kind of touching on it. I was really curious. I mean, looking five years out in cryptos, uh, it's, it's near impossible, but you know, I was curious, like what does six months, what does 12 months look like for, for Metapool? What, what should people be getting excited about? If, if there's ever a time to share alpha, this, this is it. Um, so I'm curious, like, what, what does a, that future look like? What are you guys doing um, for that community in the coming months and in, in the coming year for 2024, even we could, we could say at this point? Yeah, for us, 2024 is going to be uh, when we explore, explored um, uh, Asia, to be honest. So one big alpha here is we'll be we will be translating um, all our website into, for example, Spanish, which is something that we were missing for quite a bit, a long time. We'll translate it into Portuguese. Like, for example, Brazil is a really exciting market for us. Um, not, and I'm going to lie if I say because of a close, closeness, it's like, it's a 12 hour flight from Mexico city to, to Sao Paulo. Right. Right. So it's, it's much, much easier to get in from Europe. Right. Uh, from Lisbon, for example. And so, um, of course in Argentina, just a short flight. So that's, that's a good one where, where most of our team is as well. But for us it's we will be translating the, the, the localization of our platform. That's key. The other uh, one is Asia. Asia is a very exciting market. And I'm talking in broader terms, to be on specific terms, Thailand, Vietnam, um, India, right? Um, South Korea, uh, and of course, China, right? And so our new, um, how can I say, uh, uh, partnership with uh, the global Chinese community in the last uh, latest Bitcoin round 19, uh, was a good success. We have more than 28 projects we're going to be supporting through the um, initial delegation of the first 2,000 ETH into uh, Metapool. Right now, we're at around 670 uh, ETH being delegated. So all those protocol fees will will uh, go to support uh, Gitcoin rounds um, 19, uh, then 20 as well. We're committing to to follow up through. And so for us, is that, right? It's like, how can we start to engage with different communities all over the globe, uh, be community first, be DAO first, uh, liquid staking protocol. And then eventually uh, the, the, we're playing the long game here, right? Um, there's gonna be a few, few surprises down the road, but definitely for us is 
of just putting community front and center of, of everything we do, putting our users' assets as safely uh, um, into uh, partner protocols such as a K2, SSD network, um, and keep driving innovation in the space, right? Um, and so this is this, so those are a few things that are coming up the ranks. Uh, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm leaving some off. Uh, we're gonna have a community call in December, so I invite everybody to follow us on on our socials. Uh, go to our Telegram group, and then yes, get the latest news from from the Metapool DAO in two weeks' time. So anyhow, yeah, uh, that's again, great. Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to ask, what is if somebody wants like the latest information, they want the best information on Metapool. Where's the best place for them to go, or is it a couple different sources to track? No, for for us, it's of course Twitter. Twitter is the best way. Uh, if you want to really reach out to us, if for example you have any issues, uh, if you're having problems with the platform one way or another, go to our Discord. That's where you can raise the ticket and the. Uh, Marcela, who's here, and the, the, some of the also um, ambassadors can also help you out. I see shout out here to uh, uh, to Rose, to Francisco, to Jem, uh, Unrobot as well, Max One here, Mate as well, uh, Pablo, uh, Bairo as well, part of the of the community. Uh, of course, you have uh, the Brazilian care or Tiago, uh, all the way from Bogota right now. And so definitely, yes, you can reach out to any one of us, right, in, on, on Discord, on Telegram as well. And we'll try to support you the best we can. So latest news, of course, Twitter. That's, I think, the best way. Uh, really engaging with the community. That's our Discord and Telegram, uh, whatever uh, platform you, you choose. Um, and, yeah, and it's for us, is again, can we service uh, a community? Can we provide value for them? That's the key question we always want to uh, ask ourselves. And if you can provide an answer to that, then by all means, reach out and let's see how we can get you in the Metapool grant, uh, Metapool DAO's grant, uh, uh, newest round number six. You guys are so community first. I, I really like that. You know, the personal touch, they can, people have issues, they come to the Discord, uh, you know, reach out for grants. This, this is, Metapool is really something special and, and I'm excited to see it grow. Uh, over the next year. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Claudio. Thank you very much, Derek. <clears throat> much appreciated, Matt. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting us as well at, at the restaking day. It was really great. And the restaking house as well. Good conversations there. And hopefully we can return the favor. Uh, hopefully you can come down either to Ethereum Mexico, Ethereum Argentina, and then we will be the ones hosting you guys. Uh, looking forward to yeah. it. Thanks for coming in. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Gladio. Stay safe, everyone. Cheers. Right, cool. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.